It's reality. Randy Johnson, Kerry Wood, Roger Clemens, and now Max Scherzer. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Cleanup Spot Podcast, Episode Five. We reached the halfway to ten mark, and a great two weeks in baseball. It's been. We got our division leaders. We got the Sox in the East, the Indians in the Centrals, the Astros out West, and of the National League, we got the Nationals, Brewers, and Rockies. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about Josh Hader's all-time great season so far. Miles Mikolas emerging. Big time with the St. Louis Cardinals after coming back from Japan. We also have our very first guest, Brewers play-by-play broadcaster Jeff Levering will be joining the show, and we'll be talking to him all things Brewers baseball. Yeah, awesome to be back. We're halfway to 10. Halfway there? Yeah, they always say five's the magic number. Exactly. I mean, it's it's where we want to be. You know, it's a little fitting that, I mean, pretty much our most iconic episode to date. Uh, It happens to be a number five. You'd love to see it. Um, It's our very first guest. That's right. Um, you know, standings, you know, we're, I mean, today's June 1st, so finally coming into ourselves a little bit as, as an MLB season, the standings are looking a little more cemented than usual, obviously exactly what you expected probably out of the, uh, the American League leaders with the, uh, the Astros, the Indians and the Red Sox. Um, the National League's been wide open and I love it. I mean, every year it's just been really consistent lately. You see some new teams coming up, the Diamondbacks and Rockies are fighting out West. But the Diamondbacks, hold up, just the Diamondbacks, I was reading today on Fangraphs, just completed maybe the worst season, hitting season of May of all time. Their SOPS Plus is 60. The worst OPS Plus in of any team ever in baseball history during the month of May. And that's what I mean. And they're only in second place. And they started out hot too, but they've taken a rapid lots court. of injuries, lots of injuries lots with of injuries. them. They got Pollock Goldschmidt is not looking like himself at all. Nope. And, I mean, it, you look at teams in the Central, I mean, the Cubs are, I mean, mind you, they did this last year, too. They didn't turn on to the second half and obviously still won the division. Never know with this Brewers team because the Brewers are looking hot right now. The Nationals have started to climb back up. They've regained first, but the Braves do not like do not look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. They got a lot of good stars in the team. You got Ozzy, Ozzy Albers. You have Johan Camargo. You have Dansby Swanson coming into his own. They got a lot of good pieces. And they're lucky with Ronald Acuna that he didn't get really severely injured with that neat thing in Boston the other day. That was a scary injury. That looked a lot like Bryce Harper's. It did. Last I year. mean, did you watch his? I mean. We're not going to get totally graphic, but did you see the way his knee went? That's not, yeah, that, it's not, not, not how the human, to happen. Not how the human knee works, folks. But we'll be talking a lot of Brewers baseball today because we're going to have Brewers play-by-play broadcaster Jeff Levering on the show. And we'll start it off with Josh Hader's all-time great season so far. We're two months into the season, and he is fantastic. I can't say enough about him. 24-year-old left-handed relief pitcher. He converted from a starter, and it's worked out well. It really has. You know, he's... Literally, you think you think twenty four year old kids they come up they just want to throw the ball as hard as they can they're not really learning how to pitch yet that's not the case with Josh Hader he is not a thrower he's a pitcher he's really just burst on the scene amazingly his ERA is a little above one you don't see a lot of guys doing that until maybe they're thirty if they're lucky um, obviously really lively fastball you know rocking ninety six to ninety eight depending on the night and he's just really led the way for one of the, may, arguably the best bullpen in baseball this year. And he is such a great slider. I mean, the fastball, the fastball slider combination is absolutely off the charts. And he also has a quirky delivery. I was watching him in the St. Louis game on Wednesday, on uh, the Facebook Live game on that MLB has, and it looks a lot like Chris Sale. The way he obviously, like a lot like Chris Sale, both from the left side, but a lot like Sale and how he holds that ball and releases it at the very last point, way far out. But he hides it a lot. It's a great tool of deception, and honestly, it takes really special athletes to be able to hide as well as Hader does. And as far as just stuff goes, I mean, you can't look at him and watch his highlights without thinking a lot about Andrew Miller. You have to. I mean, that slider is nasty. Wipeout. It's wipeout. It's good stuff. It really is. And the Brewers are lucky to have him. And as you'll learn with our interview with Jeff Levering in just a little bit, this is his first full season in the big leagues. He's kicking butt Every- right now for the Brewers. Easily a rookie of the year candidate in the National League. I mean, obviously the the Braves are challenging with Acuna, um, but just what he has meant to this Brewers team. I mean, you guys, you look at a team where we talked about them in the offseason in our pre in our preview show, where you know we knew the bats were going to come live with the additions of Yelich and Kane, but we really it was the question was, 
they will go as far as their pitching staff will take them. Their starting rotation's been sufficient, but this bullpen has absolutely risen them to another level. I mean, they are arguably the best bullpen in baseball. And They're that good. With a lot of guys you wouldn't expect either. Yeah. You see guys like Matt Albers that have really transformed their career around. And that's something that you teams should be scared for. Because every team lately, as far as success goes, you look at the Astros last year and the pitchers that really drove them to success. Guys that had really turned their careers around. The, the name that really comes to mind, obviously Justin Verlander, but he had been good. The name that comes to mind for me is guys like Charlie Morton, who had really struggled in Pittsburgh and other places that just really didn't work out and turns into a guy where he's thrown, you know, his ERA's been right around two and rocking a fastball at like 97 that has never been seen before. Guys like Matt Albers are doing that, completely reviving their career. His ERA's right around one right now, which is unheard of. If you told me that, if you told 10-year-old Tim Crowley, who was just calling for Matt Albers' head in 2011 when he was in Boston, I would have been shocked. And it's just really been the identity of this bullpen is just no-name guys or guys that are transforming their careers around to bring the Brewers to first place in the Central. That's how it usually seems nowadays with these out-of-the-dark teams. There's really a lot of guys who are revitalizing their career out of nowhere that are really latching on and doing a great job. And they've, they've done all this without Jimmy Nelson. That guy was almost going to be a Cy Young candidate last year. Could have very well been a Cy Young candidate. And they're 36-21 and 21 without him starting a single game this year. And the offense, I mean, the offense has been plenty sufficient. And we knew that was going to be big going in. Right. But, I mean, Yelich has been – Yelich and Kane, they've set the tone at the top of the order. I mean, they've done what they could. Ryan Braun's been slumpy at times. You know, in even the big acquisitions for what they gave up, they haven't been, like, superstar like some of the other offseason acquisitions across the league, like, you know, J.D. Martinez. But they've gotten okay, the Brewers where down. they are. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk in a minute. We'll talk in a minute. But, I mean – the Brewers are definitely a surprise to me, maybe more than I thought they were going to be. Hater's stats, if you look at his stats... Off the charts. They're crazy. His ERA is good, but if you go down his 66 strikeouts, by the way, he's on pace for the most strikeouts of all time by any reliever. And the record was set while pitching 155. He's going to throw 80 or 90 innings. And he has a chance to break the all-time record of one. Well, it's either 150 or 160 strikeouts. And he has 66 so far in 33 innings. Right, right now, June 1st, best pound-for-pound reliever in the game. He has a chance also to win the Cy Young. Now, this might sound crazy to you fans out there, but looking at the stats, his war, if he keeps up this pace, would be around a 4.2-something, 4. 4. something around a uh, low 4, which would be the third best by any reliever that had won the Cy Young. Last one that won the Cy Young was uh, Eric Gagne with the Cubs, and this could very well be the second guy to do it. And the last time that was one was 2003. 15 years later, it could happen. And you look around the league, and this is the other thing as far as the Cy Young race goes for a hater. He doesn't really have any true competition right now. I mean, Kershaw's been hurt most of the year. Scherzer's been good at times, but not as meaningful as to his team as Hater's been. Until one of the, our big guns in the West, in the Central, in the uh, in the National League steps up. It's Hader's race right now. And right now, his his stuff is insane. He has a strike zone a contact rate in the strike zone at 61.4%. That means guys are only hitting balls that he throws in the strike zone six out of every ten times. That's unheard of. It's the best ever in MLB history currently. Yep. 61. Six out of every ten times, guys make contact. That's it. I'm pitched in the strike zone. That's wild. We're watching the next Andrew Miller rise right now, and it's honestly fun to watch. Also, he struck out 62% of the guys he's faced. Only two guys in history have struck out more than 50 in a season, and that's the closer for the Yankees and the closer for the Red Sox. Craig Campbell and Waraldis Chapman, those are the only two guys who have ever done it. And he's right now at 62%, which is 8% more than they ever got. Maybe this is part of the reason Jared Carabas loves the Brewers is just high strikeout closers. High strikeout closers? Well, why does he love the Yankees then? They have a high strikeout close. Because Giancarlo Stanton broke him. Giancarlo! He's very good. But yeah, his yeah. stats are absolutely insane. And his splits are even better. Not to throw out more stats, but lefties have a 223 OPS against him. They're slugging .061. That's unheard of. Like, you can't make this stuff up. It's like a video game out there. It's it's unheard of what he's doing. It's nuts. 
and uh, he's a blast to watch. And most of his, he's actually a throwback to more like uh, Dennis, not Dennis Eckersley, but like a Raleigh Fingers or someone back from the 70s where he's not, his relief appearances are usually about two innings. I wanted to go Billy Wagner, but I, I, I thought about it. Not really. No, he's not. He's got the heat of Billy Wagner. A little lower, a little lower. Wagner was like 98, 99. We're looking at like 96, 97 here. But he's 97 with movement. It's yeah. late movement, too. Like, his fastball and slider, he disguises it so late, it breaks at about 58 feet. Filthy. It's nuts. Like, you can't pick it up if you're a hitter. Anybody in a box against Josh Hader is not hitting it. Yeah. I, I mean, think if I if I ever had to hit against Josh Hader, I wouldn't, I'd wouldn't. i be like, yeah, okay, I struck out. I'm just going to go back to the dugout. Like, I, I wouldn't even get a pitch. I'd physically throw the bat at the ball. And it's literally just – it has to be so much fun to watch every day just watching him do his stuff. And thankfully for us, we get to talk to someone today that – we do get to talk to someone. It's going to be Jeff Levering, as we've said a couple of times, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we'll have his interview with him coming up right now. So we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, he's a great baseball mind. Loves to talk about the game. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. We'll catch you on the flip side. All right, what's up, guys? We're here with Jeff Levering, the play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, who's been enjoying quite the season so far. And um, if you haven't heard him, he's one of the best broadcasters in all of Major League Baseball. Um, and he has the opportunity to work with Bob Euchre and travel with a team that is maybe the best in the National League this year. Thanks, fellas. That's a very nice introduction. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. Uh, but you guys, you've had the luxury of being with this team this year, and it's, it's quite the story so far. They've kind of exceeded everyone's expectations. Yeah, 36-21 and 21 entering play today, and uh, the top dog in the National League Central by four games over the Cubs, and Cardinals are right behind, and the Pirates are still in the mix, too. Uh, still a lot of season left. I mean, still over 100 games to go, which is hard to believe. But, um, you know, the, the club's playing really well. Uh, nice offensive additions with Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. Uh, Ryan Braun hasn't really been the Ryan Braun of old this season. He's had some injury problems, but uh, he's had that clutch junior, especially early on in the season. And Travis Shaw, who, who folks in Boston know very well, um, has has had another great season with the Brewers, had 30 homers and 100 RBIs last year, and well on his way to doing the same thing again this season. So it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. The bullpen's been spectacular. I'm sure everybody's heard about what Josh Hader's been able to do, and Jeremy Jeffers gave up his first run in two months a couple of days ago against St. Louis. Uh, it's just a really good team and a good bunch to be around. Yeah, Jeff, this has been such a fun team to watch, especially just looking at the revolution that the National League is going through this year as far as a little bit of a changing of the guard. You know, everyone expects the last couple of years to just see a lot of Nationals, Cubs, and Dodgers. We haven't really seen that this year. The Nationals have played a little bit better lately, but you've seen teams like the Braves, the Brewers really make a rise to some of the top spots in the division. How has it been to watch this team grow? Well, it's been great. And, and my first year with the organization was 2015, and that's when the quote-unquote rebuild began. They started selling to all their older pieces and, and acquiring all these young players, and they're starting to make a, a movement of the big leagues. I mean, one move at the end of the 2015 season that was kind of under the radar was Adam Lind being dealt to the Seattle Mariners and getting three 18-year-old kids in return. Uh, one of those guys has already been in the big leagues this year, Freddie Peralta. The other two are well on their way. So it, it's been a lot of fun watching this team build to what they are right now. And I know a lot of people in the national media thought last season was a fluke with 86 wins. And, um, you know, did, did they think that they over-exceeded expectations a little bit? And, and, the, and the ride to where they were a season ago might have been a lot faster than people anticipated. But it put the Brewers in a situation where they were, they were buyers sellers in the trade deadline and and they made it work they were a game back of a playoff spot so it's been fun working this group um, mold together and gel together become what they are and you know as far as what you mentioned with with the dynamics of each division you know you thought the dodgers were going to be in the mix while clean kershaw's hurt kenley jansen hasn't been the same with la so they're in the middle of the pack they're starting to play a little bit better ballinger's not as good this season uh, but they'll probably turn it around, and the way the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are playing, kids have an opportunity to come back in the standings. And I don't think anybody would have predicted what Atlanta has done this year. Um, just a, a really good season, a good young crop of young kids. Uh, and, you know, everybody's talking about Manny Machado going to the Chicago Cubs, and it seems like a foregone conclusion. Don't count out the Braves. I'm trying to make some crazy move, too. Um, and it's been fun watching Philadelphia, who've been on the – in the doormat the last couple of years. That's a competitive team and one the Brewers will see on the end of this road trip. 
and the Brewers. What's the chemistry like in that clubhouse? Because obviously, I mean, no one really expected them to be this good this early. No, it's a great vibe. And Craig Council has has built a nice culture in that Brewers clubhouse. And he's been here since May of 2015. And um, he's always preached staying connected. You know, everybody stay connected, whether you're going out together after ball games or coming to the ballpark together, text messaging, text messaging one another um, on off days or whatever it is. It's, it's staying connected. Not one guy is better than the, the whole sum of parts. And uh, that goes to the coaching staff, it goes to the players, it goes to the front office. Uh, staying connected is really important. And um, that's what this team has been able to do. It's a loud clubhouse. It's a fun clubhouse. I'm just seeing the home run dances that they do inside the, the dugout. I mean, we've got confetti poppers and we have a designated party planner for home runs. It's, it's insane what they're able to do, but they're having fun, and it's turning into wins. This is obviously a team that has so many key pieces stepping up for them, and you know it's getting to that time of year where the, the ballots are going to start to break out for the All-Star game. Are there any pieces on that Brewers team to you that are really standing out as candidates for the game right now? I mean, Travis Shaw, I think, should have some consideration. He should have been an All-Star last year at the, the midway point. Um, you know, Corey Knable was the only Brewers All-Star last year. Uh, I think it'd be a disservice to baseball if they didn't put Josh Hader in the All-Star game, and even Jeremy Jeffers, the way they've been throwing the baseball for the last two months of the season. Uh, I think they're definitely candidates, and maybe a sleeper is first baseman Jesus Aguilar. He's now getting first base uh, playing time nearly every day. He's DHing tonight against the White Sox. Uh, the guy is just he's awesome. Uh, I'm trying to get a some sort of nickname going for him, whether it's Oso Grande, you know, Big Bear, uh, just because of you know, the way and the way he plays and the size he's got. Um, you know, Big Zeus over at first base. We're just trying to get some sort of nickname going for, for Jesus Aguilar and get him a little bit more recognition because he's, he's been tremendous over there at first base, especially since the injury to Eric Thames. Well, you guys already have the mayor of Ding Dong sitting in the outfield. It's only right that everyone else gets a nickname if they're, if they're yeah, doing what they're well, doing. I mean, yeah, and that traveled all the way from Boston for, for Travis Shaw. I, I was trying to find out another nickname for him, but, you know, we just gave away a bobblehead, the Brewers did, of, of the mayor of Ding Dong City behind a podium. So I don't think that one's going anywhere anytime soon. You know, that just, I don't know. I don't, if we if we got him another nickname, I'd be all for it. I don't know how our friend Jerry Carabas, you know, the, the head of just the Brewers fan club recently ha- is going to feel about that. We'd hate to disappoint him, but. Yeah, it would be a major probably go into uh, to a basement for, for a couple of months and just go into a dark place, definitely. So we don't, we don't need Jared doing that. Now, what is, how is um, the acquisition of Yelich and Kane this offseason, how has it helped really fuel this team in the early going right from the get-go in spring training? Well, those guys hit one and two in the order, and they set the tone for the Brewers. And Lorenzo Kane, as soon as he walked into the clubhouse, was an instant impact guy um, in this clubhouse, just smiling and and going about his business in the right way. It's a good example for some of the young players on this team. And for Christian Yelich, he's kind of a, a silent leader on this club. He doesn't really talk all that much. He's not very outwardly with his personality. Uh, but he just goes about things in a very businessman-like way. And um, he had a little bit of a slow start in the month of April. Had an awesome series at the end of March against the San Diego Padres and San Diego. Had a little injury issue with the oblique. Um, took him about a week and a half to get fully cleared of that injury, and then once he's, he's been fully healthy, he's been just a beast in that number two spot. Um, but they've just totally changed the culture. This is a team that set major league records two straight years for strikeouts um, in 2016, and last year, 2017, broke their own record. They still strike out a good number, um, but those guys put the ball in play, they have quality at-bats, they hit behind runners, um, and that rubs off on on and we saw that last year with the Astros where they really were a team that were reinvigorated when they when the ownership started buying into the team and believing into the team. Do you see that same thing happening with the Brewers? I do. I, I think it's very similar blueprints. Um, not necessarily tanking and getting a whole bunch of number one picks and all that stuff. It's not a it's not an Astros type of situation like that. And, and the Brewers kind of go at it a little bit differently in terms of their scouting. Um it's, a, it's more of a 60-40 analytics to actual eyeball test in terms of their scouting as opposed to the, the Astros, which is about 90-10. You know, plug a guy into a computer and see what pops out and see if he's the player that you want. Um, but I, I think the um, that's a pretty good comparison. 
Now, they, again, the Brewers are striking out quite a bit, but they, the percentage of them driving runners in at third base less than two outs is significantly better than it was over the last two seasons. And, and you know, there's a, a common misconception about strikeouts don't matter. Well, strikeouts do matter in the, in the right situation. And, um, and for the Brewers, they're just not striking out in those types of situations anymore. And, you know, for an offensive franchise to, to evolve, you've got to evolve as players and as, as a front office and as a coaching staff. And that's exactly what the Brewers have done. Jeff, I've noticed a pattern really over the last couple of years in baseball where every year the title of, you know, the best out-for-out reliever in the game has really changed. You've seen the torch been passed from guys like Wade Davis to Andrew Miller and maybe back to Davis at times. Would you even would you be willing to put Josh Hader in that conversation if he if he keeps up what he's doing is he in the race for the Cy Young in the National League? Uh, he's certainly in the map, uh, to be honest with you. He's done such a great job, and, and he's revolutionized what this bullpen has done. Every game he's pitched in this year, he's made 19 appearances or something like that. The Brewers are 19 and 0, so he's he's put in situations where he can thrive. Um, is that Swiss Army knife where he can give you one out if you need to go get one out and face the best left-hander in the lineup or the best right-hander. It doesn't really matter. The splits are the same. Uh, he can go get you that one out. Or if you need him to cover two and a half innings or three innings, he can, he can be that guy for you too. Um, the biggest difference in Josh Hader from last year to this year, and he hasn't even been in the big league the full season yet, which is remarkable, um, but the biggest difference for him is he's just not walking anybody. Um, the walks are significantly down. Strikeouts are way up. Uh, he hides the ball extremely well to go along with his, his good stuff. So he's just been revolutionary in this Brewers bullpen, and, and with his ability to be that Swiss Army knife and do any wrong within that bullpen, um, just really helps out what Craig Council and, and Derek Johnson are trying to do. And he seemingly come out of nowhere. Like we, no one had really heard of him last year. It was his first year, and as you said, he hasn't played a full year in the bigs. Like this is his first full year in the bigs, and he's seemingly doing on the pitching side what Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez had done in their first full year season in the bigs on the offensive side. Yeah, it, it's impressive. It's really impressive, uh, and he's, he's continuing to learn. He's only going to get better, which is the scary thing. I mean, it's kind of like Andrew Miller in a way, where he was a starting pitcher coming up, and, and then. The Brewers put him in this role where, hey, listen, we're not going to have him go on back-to-back days until later on. Uh, this was last season, so he would have a couple of days off in between his appearances. Um, but now this season, uh, he can go back-to-back days, but if he's going multiple innings, he'll still get that, that day of rest. And I think he's only gone back-to-back days twice this season. So you know, he really has – he's been so good uh, in this role – and, and he's had that ability to, to morph his style of being a starting pitcher and having to save a little bit for later in a ball game. where now he can come in. If he knows he's only going an inning, he's going to let that thing eat, and he's going to be 97-98 with the fastball, throw that great slider, and he doesn't have to really mess with the changeup very much. Yeah, I really I love the Andrew Miller reference and just really comparison because I've, I've been watching a lot of haters um, film lately. And I feel like every time I watch him, I feel like I'm watching Miller, like, cloned or something. Every time you see him come out, he's 96 with the fastball, the wipeout slider. It's like watching a clone, and it's crazy to even be comparing him to such a reliever like Miller at such a young age. Yeah, it is. And the comps, I mean, I want to say Josh Hader is a combination of Andrew Miller, Chris Sale, and Madison Bumgarner. I mean, those three guys are Josh Hader kind of built into one where he hides the baseball well, he's got the good velocity, he's got good off-speed stuff, he's got that bulldog mentality. Uh, it's really just incredible to see what he's been able to do. Well, if he's a combination of Bumgarner, does that mean he can also hit the ball well, too? Yeah, well, he's been a 1,000 this year, so, I mean, go figure. <laughs> Might as well give him the MVP. But it's not <laughs> he's, also... He's not chopping down trees with an axe like Bumgarner, I'll tell you that much, but he is an outdoorsman. It's not only Hater in the bullpen. I mean, that bullpen might be the best in baseball. It is, according to earned run average. Um, you know, again, I mentioned Jeremy Jeffers. Matt Albers has been a phenomenal piece of that bullpen. Corey Knable's not even all the way back yet, but he's the closer um, who throws 99 and has that nasty curveball. Uh, Dan Jennings, left-handed specialist, but he can give you multiple innings. Boone Logan, who's another good left-hander, veteran presence in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Jacob Barnes, who's back up again, who's throwing 100 miles an hour. Um, I mean, it's filthy. You don't have anybody that comes in out of that bullpen and you go, oh, man, well, 
this guy's coming in, he might give up a couple of runs. Even Taylor Williams, who's coming off the Tommy John surgery, it's his first full season of, uh, you know, no no setbacks, no issues. Um, so Taylor Williams is another guy who's 97 miles an hour on the wipeout slider. It's just an embarrassment of riches at the back end of that bullpen. I think it's just it's really cool to see. I mean, you see this a lot in sports where one player in a certain group can just really not only thrive himself but make other players better. And you see that with Josh Hader. I mean, take a guy like Matt Albers that's literally coming in to, to play tonight with a 1.08 ERA. This is a guy that's kind of really bounced around over the last decade or so. I mean, he was in Boston for a couple of years and was just consistently getting either walking everybody or getting clobbered every time he took the mound. And the transformation he's been able to make, I mean – that, that's a guy like Hader that can just really take the pressure off and allow everyone to thrive. Yeah, no doubt. And Albers began his uh, his career as a starting pitcher with the Astros, and then he got moved to the bullpen and uh, picked up a sinker and his slider and his changeup. Just the repertoire to throw all those pitches and throw them for strikes and quality strikes of any count, uh, it rubs off on the rest of the bullpen. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys in bullpens, whether you're in the major leagues or in the minor leagues, there are some people when that bullpen phone rings, they don't want to go in. They don't want that baseball. Everybody in this in this bullpen, when that phone rings, their ears perk up and they go, yeah, give me the ball. Let's go. So it, it's a great trait and um, one that Derek Johnson and our, our bullpen coach, Lee Tunnel, are really impressed with. Now, I mentioned this back in the beginning when I introduced you, but what is it like just working with Bob Euchre in the booth? He must be just an absolute blast to work with. He is. Um, my favorite part of every day is, is not even – being on the air with Bob. Well, that is fantastic, and it's a great treat, and I learned so much from Bob on a day-in, day-out basis. My favorite part of every day is sitting down and eating dinner before a game with him at home. I mean, we got a big old round table in Milwaukee, and uh, his security detail and myself and our other partner, Lane Grindle, and um, our producer and engineer, Ken Sommerfeld, we sit down, and it's basically story time with Bob. I mean, at one point, I just want to put a microphone down in the middle of the table and just listen to stories. I think that would be, it would be great. It would be unedited, and uh, it would be awesome. I'd never be able to get away with it, but, um, I mean, that is one of my absolute favorite parts of the day is just sitting down and eating dinner and, uh, and having Bob tell his stories because they never get old, and very rarely does he repeat them. Now, what's your favorite memory that, obviously, you can share that you've had with Bob uh, in your few short years in Milwaukee? Tons of stories, of course, like I've said, but um, I think my favorite memory is the first day I ever met him, uh, which was the day before Christmas Eve in 2014, right before I got the job. I didn't necessarily have the job yet, and um, I, I had to do one last interview, and that was go down and have dinner with Bob down in Arizona. So within five minutes of meeting him and his wife, Judy, um, which I'd never met him before, never worked with him, never did anything, and I didn't have the job. Um, down and, and having a drink before ordering our dinner, and around the corner comes Bud Selig, uh, former commissioner of baseball, former Brewers owner, and the only guy that can get away with calling him Al is Bob Euchre. He says, hey, Al, I want you to meet somebody. This is Jeff Levering. He's going to be working with us next year. Um, that might be my favorite moment, not only because it, it told me that, hey, I think I've got a pretty decent <laughs> chance of getting this job, um, and then... I mean, telling the former commissioner of baseball that I'm going to be working with them the following year, just incredible. It was an incredible feeling, um, you know, just to have that vote of confidence and um, for him to tell one of his best friends that he's known forever um, was a really cool moment and, and one that I'll never forget. And going into the big leagues to broadcast, what's the, been the biggest difference for you transitioning from the minors to the bigs? circumstances there's a PR guy in AAA but for the most part uh, you're doing your own notes you're doing your own stats so you have to come up with all the information so in the big leagues you're not doing as much of that if you've got PR departments you have multiple media relations people that are doing the notes for you um, you still have to digest all those notes and, and figuring out what is useful and what is not on a day-in-day-out basis because you can get bogged down in all the, all the information and minutia that, that you're given in the big leagues uh, that has been my biggest challenge is trying to, to weed through some of that stuff and, and figure out what's most important and, and what stories 
are there to back up that information. So uh, that has been the, the biggest transition. The game moves faster. Players are, are bigger, faster, stronger. Of course, they're the best in, in the world at, at this game. Um, so it moves a little bit quicker. you got to make sure you're anticipating things. But uh, for me, it's the, the preparation and making sure I've got all the right tools to succeed in a given day. Now, one thing, I know that we both love watching the show Brockmire. So the question is, have you ever had a moment like Brockmire on the air? And obviously, if you have not watched Brockmire, it's in which a former baseball broadcaster who essentially had a very vulgar meltdown on the air has to go back to the ranks of minor league baseball uh, to get back onto the air. Now, since you're still on the air and you still have a job, you obviously do not have an awful meltdown. But like, what's 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 what? Have you ever had anything like that happen to you? Um, you know, I, I've never had a couple of times but it was way early in my career uh, I remember one particular instance in 2007 it was my first year broadcasting I was in high class A in Rancho Cucamonga and um, we were in San Jose playing against the Giants a ball affiliate and the home plate umpire that day was atrocious I mean this is before stat cast and all that fun stuff so um, he was just absolutely atrocious kicked, kicked a couple of calls and um, it was really a frustrating day for everybody, not just the Giants and, and the Quakes, but just for everybody watching this guy. And he's getting worn out. Now, I remember I went to break, and then as soon as I pushed the mute button and, and I was off the air, I went, oh, you're terrible. <laughs> just, just screamed, you're terrible. Um, and, and, you know, who cares what I think, but I think that was my most frustrated that I've ever been. Um and, and that's kind of when I had that fanboy hat on at the time. Now that I don't do that anymore, you know, we're undefeated in the broadcast booth anyway. So uh, we just tell good stories and have a good time playing baseball because the outcome really doesn't matter to me at, at the end of the day. Uh, but that, that's my biggest moment. I've never been, uh, you know, I didn't do the Kendrys Morales drive down the right field line and you know the rest of it if you've seen the Brock Meyer initial skit. So, um, no, I've never had that big meltdown, but that was as close as I got. We're, we're glad that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad too. I, I enjoy my job. <laughs> all right. Jeff, before we let you go, we're, we're all about hot takes um, here on the show. Come October, where do you see the Brewers finishing? I think they win the division. I think last year they had a five-game lead and don't start a break and couldn't hang on. Um, ended up losing the wild card spot by a game to Colorado. Um, I, I do think the Brewers have a chance to win the division this year, and if not, they're going to be playing in that wild card game. I, I just don't see how this team doesn't have a postseason spot at the end of the day. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, and best of luck to you guys in Chicago tonight. Uh, hopefully you guys start a good win streak going and keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys, welcome back on the flip side. We hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Great person to talk to, Tim. Um, just really loves the game of baseball. I've known him from his days back when he broadcast for the Pawtucket Red Sox back in AAA uh, quite a few years ago. And he's really he's, – he's been he's been subject to a quite the good team. He's yeah, gotten he, a little lucky. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, it's, it's honestly – anytime we get – as far as you and I go, we're obviously looking into big careers in broadcasting as we move into our senior year next year as far as high school goes, looking into college. And anytime we get to talk to someone like that, it's obviously um, a real privilege for us and obviously just even – it's just an added bonus that he's just such an awesome baseball mind. And, you know, it always helps when you're watching a first-place team every day. Yeah. And he also gets to work with Bob Euchre. Lucky. So lucky. I love Bob Euchre. The things that guy talks about is crazy, but I love him. Legend. Oh, I remember one game I was listening to him last year. He talked about, obviously, Milwaukee. He talked about the beer brewed in Milwaukee for two and a half innings. What a guy. What a guy. If it wasn't for Vince Scully, he'd have the title of best broadcaster. Yes, ever. definitely. He's but definitely you, the most quotable, and quote, he's definitely quotable. The most, yes, he's the he's one A on most famous. Yeah, you can't take the title away from Vin, though. No, Vin Vince Scully is the man. The man. Bob Euchre is the man one A. Yep. But in the Brewers, they're going to be an exciting team. I mean, Jeff talked about it a whole lot in the interview that he's just excited for this team, and he definitely expects them to win a division. And they can make a run. Cause, I mean, until the Cubs start to heat up, which. I'm sure at some point they will, especially if they end up getting Machado, like Jeff thinks that they're going to. Um, I mean, it's going to be a fun race for the Central. I mean, they just have to be able to hold on this year. Yeah, they, year. they just can't do what they did last year. Last year they slipped up late, and the Cubs went on fire after the All-Star break, and they just can't let that happen again. Which means they need to make a move at the deadline to ensure that. 
I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking starting pitching for them. I am too. Because I, because uh, yeah, you know, because you know the bullpen's just in desperate need of help right now. Oh, so desperate. Maybe, That's why they're the best in baseball. Right. Maybe if you can add another bat, maybe secondary need. But I think if you can get another frontline starter that can take you far in the playoffs. Once Jimmy Nelson comes back, that's a great one-two punch. What about Madison Bumgarner? They have some prospects, and Bumgarner's going to be looking to be dealt. They could get him. It's still early though. The Giants could still bounce back. Eh, they could. They are four games back, and the West is brutally bad this year. Right. So you do never know. But I think I I don't think the Cubs are going to go on a huge run like they did last year. I really think the Brewers are going to they're going to be able to ride this wave until the end of the year and come out with the win. I think it's their year. I think it is their year. And what are we going to throw it back to when they had Prince Fielder and all those guys, Giovanni Gallardo, all of them when they used Sean to Sean Markham, Sean Markham, Randy Wolf, Niger Borgen. That guy was maybe the biggest nutcase I've ever seen in a baseball field, but he was hilarious. 2011 was such a fun year to watch, and I was, I've was talked about how much I love that 2011 Cardinals team. I'm not a bandwagon just because they won. I became a bandwagon for a specific reason. It was because my team choked. Relax. Uh, <laughs> that's totally not the definition of a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon. Just happened to like the Are you not a bandwagon? No, I'm not. Uh, just for that one year I was. But just for, just for the fault. Um, no, but watching them take on – the Cardinals and Brewers just went at it all – of 2011, it was just powerhouse after powerhouse game. You know, you got Ryan and Braun and Prince Fielder as their power duo facing off against Matt, Matt Holliday and Albert Pujols just slugging each other out. The pitching was great. Chris Carpenter, uh, we said Gallardo. Wasn't Zach Granke still with him at that time, yes. too? He was slightly good. He was the front line. He was their front line starter <laughs> He was that point. so good with them. That team was good. The was best the- was Prince Fielder's home run, walk-off home run celebration. They yeah. jump into the plate, throw in the arms back, and everyone falls over. Where is Prince Fielder now? Prince I mean, Fielder, we, he retired. Well, we, I know he retired. He, any endorsement deals? I I haven't seen him. Is he still doing the Chevy commercials? I haven't seen him. It's just too bad. He got, he, got, he got baseball robbed from, which is awful. I mean, he was he was a great player. I loved watching him. Yeah. I, I, I want to bring the Chevy commercial back. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet, <laughs> and Prince Fielder. He was he was iconic in he was Milwaukee. He, he was, was a great like, player. Oh, one thing I do remember about Niger Morgan, I don't think he was with the Brewers, but it's when he missed the. Oh, I was with him when he was with the Nationals. I saw and he I, missed I saw him home, in person. He missed the home run, so he went to go catch a fly ball and he missed it, and he flipped out through a temper tantrum from the warning track, chuffed, chucked his glove, <laughs> flipped out, and the ball never went over the wall, and the guy got a walk. The guy got an inside the park home run off of it. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Head case. Oh, he's a headgeist. He actually he, had he was a bad player. He had a walk off for them in the playoffs that year. Um, I think when he they did. No, he hit the walk off. What was the, the double? Diamond, I think it was just like a single walk off against the Diamondbacks. I remember it was at game home. five too. Yeah, in the in the uh, division series. That was big, and that propelled them to the NLC. Yeah, so obviously they did not win. And the St. Louis Cardinals ended up going on to the World Series, which leads us right into our second topic. That was a good transition. We're getting good. Oh, no, that was good. That was great. Proud of myself for that. No, but it leads right into the second topic with Miles Mikolos. Emerging back with St. Louis now, for those of you who are currently scratching your head going, who in the world is this guy, Javik? He's yet another player reinvented during their time in Asia. Eric Thames, we saw it last year with him in 2017. He went to the KBO in Korea. He came back, had a huge start to the year, obviously flamed out after. But he had 12 home runs in April, and he really did a great job with the Brewers. Yeah, and it's really it's it's really a tough transition to make. Obviously, you see a lot of players try to go to it. We've seen guys like Kevin Euclid has gone back. Manny Ramirez has gone back, but never really came back to America and had the success that they once did. This is an awesome story for baseball. Just that that new theme over the last couple of years of reinventing um, some old stars has just really been so much fun to watch. And Thames and Mikolos weren't even, or Thames and Mikolos weren't even stars. They were both washouts. I mean, Thames was awful. Mikolos, his last time with Major League Baseball, we'll get into that in a moment, was horrific. I'll admit he it. He went I, over. I'll admit it. I didn't even know who he was until this segment. Yeah, well, look at that. Learn he, something new every day. Yeah, exactly. That's what you see. We're, we're picking good baseball stories. But he went over and pitched in the Nippon Professional Baseball League over in Japan, played with the Yamiri Giants in 2015 to 2017. And it's a very high – it's a huge hitter's park. It's the Tokyo Dome. So it's a dome, and it's in Tokyo. So the ball flies all over the place. Tons of home runs. And his stats were right around even with Shohei Otani. They had just about the same strikeout rate. His is 22.5s, about the same walk rate at 4.1, about the same whip and about the same ERA from 2015 to 2017. Yet he came back to America, didn't get the same amount of kind of praise and oh my God, like Otani did, maybe because he doesn't hit. But he's a very good player and 
to see where he once came from, it's a lot. He used to play, he was a reliever for the San Diego Padres in 2012 and 2013. Turned into an awful start with Texas in 2014. And his career his career totals before going to Japan was a 4-6 and six record, a 5.32 ERA in 37 games and 10 starts. So obviously, no one wants you. He went to Japan and figured, hey, what the hell? He's, he's a young guy. Might as well go to Japan, have some fun, you know, see if he can reinvent himself. And he did. 424 innings pitched, a 2.18 ERA, a 0.99 whips, and we went over the rest of his stats. And he did a fantastic job out there. He was one of their best players uh, for Yamiri with the Giants. And he's come back to America, and he's been very good. That's been a good atmosphere for him because I know in history, the Yamiri Giants have put out some pretty good baseball um, prospects just to America. So I believe they're almost like the Yankees in Japan as yeah. far as like a great team that always seems to win yeah. and always seems to be in it. And they've shipped some pretty good international free agents to America as well. Um, like I said, love to see the, the just the theme of reinvention coming back again. This is the second year we've seen it. Last year was our themes. Obviously, it's him this year. Um, it's just it's better for baseball, especially in a time where we have so much going on between pace of play and just every t- a- tactic that Rob Manfred and his creative minds at MLB are trying to draw up just to bring more attraction to the game. Stories like this are obviously helpful to the cause. And what he's done, he's really reinvented his walk rate. He currently leads the league in walk per, walks per nine innings at 0.9. He's In his 10 starts, he's walked seven guys. Or eight starts, he's walked seven guys. 51 strikeouts, seven walks is his strike-to-walk ratio. He's 6-0 with a 2.58 ERA and a 0.980 whip. Obviously, he can't keep this up, but he's showing that he can stay in the bigs and is an effective starter. He's giving Cardinals, the Cardinals a little bit of stability. Obviously, they have Carlos Martinez at the top, the top of the rotation. He's been okay this year. Adam Wainwright's been hurt, so I think he might be on his – it might be his um, – maybe one of his final seasons. We'll see what happens. But um, who – and obviously, just – you imagine the games you have as a Cardinals fan, where you can go from him to who's the reliever that's only like 105, Jordan something. Lyles. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, imagine Lyles, that. Maybe. Yeah, you can go from a guy that's totally reinvented himself to Japan, and then you just bring in like almost like a Rolls Chapman esque style heat. The Cardinals actually have some really good arms that are coming up, and I love and I just love to watch it. They do, and Miles Mikos, he's one of those guys. He has the fastball, slider, curveball, which not a lot of guys have the slider and the curveball, and he's done a great job mixing his pitches. He can't overpower you with his fastball. It sits at about 97, 98 when he tops out, but he can really – he's smart with pitching. I mean, it's, you can overpower someone with 97 if you spot it right. 90, it's about 96, 97. It's, not, it's nothing overpowering. It's not Josh Hader movement, but his slider and curveball are really two great things for him. He's a lot of by you doing that. He's able to mix up a lot. He's able to get a lot of soft contact outside the zone. Batters are hitting 155 on pitches outside the strike zone. He, he's really been able to do a great job at mixing up his pitches, which he reinvented in Japan, which is something that was very different for the first time in America when he played in, for the MLB, and he was just atrocious. His ERA with Texas, there was 326 starters that qualified for the ERA. His was number 322. He did a good job reinventing himself. And the Cardinals, you have to applaud him for their move and what they saw. He was signed to a two-year deal worth $15 million. And according to Fangraphs, we're on June 1st, and he's already been worth $11.8 million this year. The return on investment for the Cardinals is great. If you're a Cardinals fan, you love him. He also has a sweet mustache. If you ever look at a picture of him, he's got a sweet mustache. Is it, is it almost like Rolly, like Rolly Fingers? Is the, are, we uh, getting to that? are we getting to that level a little bit? So obviously you'd love to not, see it. Not exactly Raleigh's fingers level, but it's it's a big bushy. It's still up there. Oh, the seventies, the seventies call. They want their mustache back. All right, but all right. Quick debate. Probably know the answer. Better mustache, fingers or Eckersley? Fingers. Bias. He curled it. I know. I'm just kidding. He had I'm the curl kidding. going. I, I, I'm just kidding. I rode fingers too. He had the curl going and everything. Like that was sexy. It was electric. He had a sexy mustache. I. The sure. he, he, it was the seventies. Could you grow one? <laughs> Me. No, I, I, no, I have a no one facial hair. I was no, at, I'm like the Yankees. Well, yeah, you're, you're, I look awful with facial hair. A couple of years ago, I think it was at like a first communion or something. I happened to be sitting in the same row as this guy. He came in and sat next to me, and he literally had like the because fingers was kind of just more like bleached or blonde, right? The mess up. Yeah. This guy comes in, 
pretty much the same thing, just like a, like a darker black or gray. Comes up with a massive handlebar mustache. And I'm like, this is electric. I love this. I love the electricity. You know what's also electric? The rivalry. Let's go. Let's go. They're best teams in baseball without a doubt. Like, they have clearly cemented themselves. The Yankees and Red Sox are the best two teams in all of baseball. Not even a question. Not I'd, even close. Obviously, tough out for the Sox last night in, in Houston. But you know what? Drew Promise will finally figure it out at some point. But this is what I love to see right now. The Red Sox are missing some very key pieces still. And it's scary how good they are even without those pieces. Mookie Betts hasn't played in five games. And they're still 21, 20 games over 500. J.D. Martinez is crushing the ball. Totally living up to the contract. I've heard people saying, all right, let him test free agency and let's pay him more money because he's just lighting it up. Okay, you just saw Carabas' tweet. Huh? I know, I know. But he's hitting rockets. Did you see? If you look back the other day, I think he's at 18 home runs right now. Look at home run 18. That probably went four, uh, 445. It was crushed over the monster. He has powered it everywhere. He's lighting it up. Price has been a lot better. Sales, obviously, still room to improve, but he's been sufficient as always. And Craig Kimbrell's just Craig Kimbrell. I love it. Are you done? Yes. Are you okay? Are you yes. okay? Did you get it all out? Yes. For this now. Like, okay. You sure? Yeah, you can have your Did time. Do you need now. a hug? You, huh? you seem you seem very you, you seem can, very yeah, happy. You can have your time. Now, this is how we do. We, I ran for two minutes about my guys. You ran. I know. For, I this know. This is what we do. It's a weekly thing. You're, we you're, do. you're pretty high it's, on your guys, though. I'm give, uh, they're twenty games over five hundred. Twenty-one, they, actually. Yeah, they're yeah. thirty-nine and eighteen. Yeah, they have the best record in baseball. So I have reason to. I know the Yankees are second best. Every game they played has been rained okay, out. They got rained out again last night. Right, you can have your rent now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The Yankees are killing it. Glaber Torres, I love you. Gets picked off by Justin Braylon at second. Rookie mistake. You hate you to You know see what? It. He's a rookie. He's 21. He's barely legal to get a drink at a par. He's so good. I mean, Glaber Torres is nuts. Miguel Andujar, the fact that they signed Brandon Drury is just stupid. So they still put him in AAA. Because with how he's been playing, Miguel Andujar has been killing it. Luis Severino is going to win the Cy Young. No. Yes, he's that good. He puts this team on his back, and he is carrying that pitching staff. I mean, he is lights out. Every fifth day, you, he goes out, and you know they got a pretty darn good shot to win this game. Their bullpen's been good, and their offense has been great, too. I mean, you got Aaron Judge hitting bombs. Didi Gregorius has slumped a lot, but he's Didi Gregorius. You don't expect him to be that hot all season long. So he's going to come back. Gary Sanchez is looking great. Gary Sanchez is also making highlight real plays behind the plate. You saw from sometime last week. Two, no, two nights ago when they were playing the Astros. Um, so Wednesday night when they were playing the uh, Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday night when they were playing the Astros. They ended up winning that game in extra innings thanks to a Glaber Torres walk-off double because he is Jesus. Um, he's the next coming. But Gary Sanchez behind the plate. Meraldis Chapman threw a high fastball way outside. Went right off the back wall. Gary Sanchez just caught it on a fly, chucked it to third, and got the out he to get the to, last out. He has to buy Chapman a steak for, hey, thanks for giving me a sports center web jam. Because anyone else besides Chapman, there's no velocity to yeah, bounce back Yeah, it's not like getting that. to the backstop. But the Yankees are going to be good. The Red Sox are going to be good. And we've said this every episode. September and October are going to be the most fun times ever. It is. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, the the – Rivalry is back, and I, I love it. Joe Kelly Fight Club. Tyler Austin, fight winner. Fight winner. Fight he was on the ground yeah, in like he, two yeah, seconds. He didn't really win that. He, he got in some good punches. I still think my favorite part is Joe Kelly getting suspended, and then besides going, instead of going up to the club suite, he just goes out and sits in the bleachers. Hey, man of the people. By the people, for the people. Okay, Portnoy. No, no, huh? No, because we can't get copyright for that. If I said something else about like the that common people, then by the people copyright. for the people, what are you the constitution? Constitution. Now you're gonna get. I am sorry, now Tommy J. Now you're gonna get us copyrights by the people for the people. By the people for the people, Thomas we can, Jefferson. We can say that exactly. All right, now time for some fan questions, some quick fan mail before we let you guys go. First question up is from Nicole. She's asking, can the Braves keep this up with their hot start, and what do they need to improve on? Yes, but they need some more starting pitching. They do need some more starting pitching. I mean, Julio can't Tehran run. can't carry them. Yeah, that way. this is in 2010. He couldn't do it in 2010 either. Yeah, he wasn't. he's a good number he's two good. or number three guy. He's good. He's just not going to carry them as far as they need to go. Yeah. And then we have Nick asking about the Mets, and is all hope been lost? <laughs> Maybe. Getting there's close. A, there's getting... a good chance. Their, their, their stadium caught on fire. That's how bad they're doing. They're not doing good. I mean, no. you, 
Matt Harvey. <laughs> they're, they're one piece away from winning the 2010 World Series. The Dark Knight's gone. Stadium's on fire. They're they're in a rough patch right now. The Mets didn't start the fire. It's been always burning <laughs> the world. Yeah, they're not doing too hot. I wish we could play music without getting copyright because I'd be playing a nice little tribute to take on me just to honor the memory of Hanley's Henry time. Ramirez, may he rest in peace on the waiver wire. I still don't understand that move. I should pick him up in fantasy just to as an honor. I wore my Hanley shirt. I don't like that my Hanley shirt that I literally just bought like two years ago was officially a throwback. We actually have one final question. It is from Bethany, and she's asking, why in the world did the Red Sox make this move to DFA Handler Mirrors and end up releasing him? What, what was the point of that? And to that I answer, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. Only possible explanation was just saving money to save, uh, to just bring back Kimball and Sale uh, after the 2019 season. They claim it's to make room for Pedroia. That's total garbage. Hanley, we still love you. I still love you. We're going to miss yeah, you, Yeah, not we. You I, still love him. I take me home. Take on me. Uh, did I say take me home? I'm thinking Bebby. You said take me home. I'm, I'm going Bebby Rex on, on you, but you know what? Hanley gonna... Ramirez, I don't, I don't really understand it. I hope it fails miserably and the Red Sox suck because of it. It's not looking like that so far. No. We're very unbiased. Mitch Moreland's been surprised. We're very unbiased baseball people. We're very. Very unbiased. We don't have bias on we the show. What are you talking like about? We don't like teams. We're fans of all baseball. That sounds like something Zach Campbell would say, who hopefully we can get on the show soon. Hopefully. But, yeah, any last words, any last thoughts before we go? Go Sox. My last thing is go Yankees. Go Yankees. And let's take the East. Uh, so thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, You can – Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us those ratings. Give us those five-star reviews. Officially much easier to get to than SoundCloud. Officially way easier to get to. You can way follow. more storage. Way more storage. Like, unlimited. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, um, at the cleanup spot, at cleanup spot pod. You can always email us. Uh, the Twitter will have the link out to the show. you also get to see some great video content as well. We're hoping to put up some more videos, some more content, get ourselves out there a little bit more. Um, so if you guys want to follow us on there, so like, uh, follow us, like some tweets, retweet some stuff. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at JAVBlake8. You are? At TCrowley37. Definitely look on YouTube soon. We're actually, we filmed a behind-the-scenes video today. Hopefully going to get that up soon, along with the last two episodes. I think we're only on, like, episode three for YouTube, so we are going to get that fixed. Just tough, trans- just a little busy transitioning from SoundCloud to iTunes. We are going to get more consistent with YouTube. Stay with us. If you haven't seen our vlogs yet, too, go check out the vlog, because that was electric. And also, just make sure to subscribe on iTunes. You'll keep up to date with everything we got going on. It'll automatically download to your phone. If you subscribe, it's it's a great service. You should definitely use it. And we thank you guys for listening. So this has been the Clean Up Spot, Episode 5, in the books, including our first guest. Thank you so much to Jeff Levering. We love you because you came on the show. <laughs> and thank you guys. Hope you guys have a great two weeks, and we'll see you later. This is the Clean Up Spot Podcast. <laughs>